This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer it's amandine buffoonery is kindled welcome back to light the beacons a lotro podcast that also dabbles in books movies gaming and the lore of gerara tokian as bastardized by rank and bass productions roads go ever on and on over huck and under tree by caves that never sun has shone by streams that never find the sea. Oh, sorry, I'm a little, little emotional tonight. This is episode number 61, and I'm your host, Bragg of the Lonely Mountain, the Sultan of Shieldswipe, the Earl of Agro, the Green-Thumbed, and Dwarf of Ill Repute, broadcasting live from temporary Light the Beacons Middle-Earthwide headquarters in the most romantic spot I could think of in Moria. That's right, the Flaming Deeps. And I am your dwarven paramour, a hunk of hunk of burning love. Ah, it's in the air tonight. Can you feel it? I've got a flag and a fine wine. Lamel's Vineyard 67, very good year. There's a fire in the hearth. Well, it's all over the place, really. I just finished four plates of imported oysters from Forakel. And I think it's time to get it on, if you know what I mean. Yeah! Come on, baby. Valentine's Day. Who's in? Even the grime is feeling it tonight. Oh, baby. It's Barry the White. After he came back. Oh, yeah. Elves be taking off their pants. Hobbits be eating pie, and dwarves, we be swimming with hairy naked women. So let's hear it. How long, how long? Can't get a love for Moria, baby. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, I don't know. I can't get enough of Moria, baby. All right. Ah, even the grime is feeling it tonight. I told him to make himself scarce, and he let me know he already had a date. Apparently, he met a red-haired shield maiden just wandering around the fanged pit in high-heeled boots. Wanted to come by tonight for a little party they were having. He's supposed to be the guest of honor, but I think the main course is more like it. (laughs) That's right, I think it's a Mary Valley found, but I don't want to burst his bubble. You know, grime has got a grime. Not very sharp by the grama, though. Ah, Grima wearing the smoking jacket tonight, I see. Carrying a bouquet of fungus from the 16th hall. You old hound dog, you. No, you you go on. I got this. I got the pod. You go have at it, hoss. 
Okay, he's gone. I can't wait to see this walk of shame home through the 21st hall tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay, enough of Barry the White. He is part of the Secret Council. Uh, let's light this candle. And, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll just play Barry all night while I'm, while I'm getting on to my next beacon. All right, we're going to keep keep the Barry rolling as we move into Illinok, the review of the agenda. As usual, we first deal with a lot of C-R-A-N-P, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. First of all, I apologize for the distorted nature of the podcast this past week. Uh, louder volume, worse sound, but been experimenting with my settings, and I think I'm more on track this week. If you agree, drop me a note, let me know but I think this may be the best sound quality I have had in quite some time. The better for you to hear my shenanigans with you viewers out there. You know you're not viewers. So last time out, we offended the folks over at Lotro Reporter. And since that episode, Lotro Reporter published a very good discussion with Severlin and Cordovan. Of the four or five interviews I've listened to since their SSG Media Blitz started, Lotro Reporter's was undoubtedly the best. Whether the questions were better or they were just more prepared to share more details, Chris got the most info out of them that we have had to date. He's good at that. So, if I looked askance, if I said some disparaging words, please look between them. I love you guys. Love is in the air. To all the others I offended out there, come on now. I offer a very solemn and heartfelt sorry from the bottom of my heart. And there's more where that came from. Viewer comments. Agree to disagree. Am I going to talk like this all night? I doubt it. I don't know. Maybe if Barry's on. iTunes reviews. Let's check the leaderboard. The last review of the podcast was left by Orlack of Arkenstone on October 13th of 2016. So he currently has our high score. If you want to join this illustrious vacuum of reviewers, then please, by all means, continue to do absolutely nothing. Listener feedback. Tommy York. Whenever I hear Tommy York's name, I want to say Tommy York of York, medieval barber. If you guys don't know who that is, check out the old SNL skit, Theodoric of York, medieval barber. Steve Martin at his best. So uh, Tommy York says, FYI, your new mic is much louder, but the recording has become a little distorted. I know, I already apologized. I prefer loud and distorted over clear and too quiet since he's a car listener. Now you'd be listening to Barry. As three wise men once said, uh, this is my interjection, by the way, not Tommy Oryx. As three wise men once said, signals get crossed and the balance distorted by internal incoherence. But I deviate from the norm. Wink, wink. So I wish SSG good luck. Tommy Oryx continues. Right now, the game has become too essence-focused for me to be enjoyable. It seems the point of every activity, including festivals, is to get essences or essence-related items, and I find that sort of sad. And definitely not fun. Really? A commercial? All right, you're out. I find that sort of sad and definitely not fun. Even the PvE content rewards, save for the cool trumpet emote, which is awesome, are essence-focused, which means if you're not using essences, it's no reward at all. The PvE content can be easily completed with regular gear. I agree with that. But there is not much else to do after that if you wish to stay off the essence treadmill. 
As for now, I will park my two hobby horses, yes I have two, which is where all my luck in game ends, and wait for the next content update. I can definitely understand that viewpoint, it's definitely valid, you don't need essences to do PvE. I will say that they're getting easier to get. When we were crafting them in Far Anorian, it was a pain in the tuchus. Uh, but now, just through running from running through North Athelion, you generate some essences. If you do any of the herbal quests, you generate some essences. It's probably the easiest way to get quality essences that they've had in the game is to do the herbal dailies. And I'm going to talk more about those a little later. So, it's really not that bad to at least load up uh, featured instance gear, which only has two essences per slot. And does have a nice boost, plus... Um, uh, what do you call them? A, a bonus, uh, yeah, class bonus if you get four or six of them in place, or two or four of them in place, I should say. Uh, so th thanks, Tommy Ark, for writing in. Appreciate it, and I, I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. Um, unfortunately, I think essences are here to stay, so hopefully they they make it a little less grindy to get them and or make the differences uh, as they advance uh, less that you don't feel like you have to <coughs> restart with new essences every time a content update comes out because the old ones should be close or good enough. And if you just happen to get some new ones, you can plunk them in. But in order to do that, they have to remove the requirement to have an essence removal scroll every time you want to put one replacement in. Uh, Braxwell wrote in, says he does not want to be on Weathertop when the new Stonehenge statues topple during, uh, during the Weatherstock event. I agree with him there. Thanks, Brax. Good to hear from you. Also, on the latest 2Gen Tribunal update, uh, which discussed MMOs, good discussion MMOs, and touched on a lot of lo former and current Lotro players as well. In the Twitter sphere, nothing of note ever happens in the Twitter sphere, right? Unless you're the president. Community Spotlight. Here's some news. Ang Dang stepping down to be replaced by Draculetta as the uh, lead for the Lotro, the Lotro Players site. So not just the podcast, but the site. So it's not stepping away from Lotro. We'll continue to play. As a matter of fact, he gives a reason for stepping down to be focusing on his YouTube channel moving forward. I can understand that. YouTube channel equals revenue. Lotro Players equals love. Love is in the air again, Valentine's Day, but the hard dollars do talk, and if you have limited time frame, it's, you've given several years of service to the community, I want to give a big shout out to Andang, thanking him for creating the central hub for the community of players that he has, uh, and bringing on board all the folks uh, to contribute to the point where he felt it, uh, it had enough momentum that it could move on without him, and good luck to Drac moving forward. I am waiting to hear whether or not uh, this means that future episodes of Middle-Earth lore, and therefore Middle-Earth drunken lore, uh, might not be in the cards anymore. Uh, I would imagine they'd be at least delayed, but we'll see. That's an assumption on my part. Nothing official on that has come down as of yet. But as for now, let's say a big thanks to Andang, and uh, best of luck to Dracula and the gang carrying on the torch that he has passed to us. Uh, Lotro Reporter's interview with Standing Stone Games had some nice information. Uh, I don't want to go too deep into this. Okay, I'll talk about it some. I know my info is late because I haven't podcasted in another three or four weeks. What am I going to do, 12 episodes this year? Probably take it at this point. 
so the juiciest comments seem to be around the following facts from the interview. Uh, first, first, that Mordor is too big for just one update, and we may only be dealing with like a third of it for this release, looking at the map. The most well-known third, I presume, which includes the Black Gate, uh, Gorgoroth, Plains of Daggerlad, uh, down as far as uh, the entrance to Minas Morgul and the southwest. And, uh, of course, Orodruin and Baradur has a nice little area carved out. It's about a third of the total landmass, if that, maybe between a quarter and a third. And uh, that leaves the slate open. They said we should be in Moria for quite a while. There's a lot of work to do there. So um, future content updates hopefully have the remaining areas of Moria, which would include uh, a lot of slave uh, pits, I assume, um, and uh, the Sea of Nern. And, uh, you know, the first major, perhaps, conduits to the land of Harad, to the southeast. So, um, comments seem to indicate we will be going in through the front door after the battle at the Black Gate. Begins with update 20. First confirmation I'd heard of that was on this podcast. has come out several times since then that we're going to be doing mop-up duty, which makes sense to a degree. You can't have dozens of players running around Mordor when there's only supposed to be two hobbits belly crawling their way through the dust uh what about minus morgul so since that podcast i've heard that minus morgul will probably be a major content update of its own moving forward maybe even the update 23 or 22 i mentioned they mentioned that they would come before the end of the year uh that would make a lot of sense to me um we might still have some leeway to explore in 19.3. We'll definitely be a capstone area for the zone, I'm thinking, in Minas Morgul. Uh, confirmed for a later update. So we will be dealing with factions left over after Soren's destruction. And specific references to an allegiance system were made that will allow us to gain a form of rep, I presume, that might influence our experience between the dwarves, elves, humans, and hobbits. Uh, reminds me, as they talk about it, like a little bit about the Nemesis system in Shadow of Mordor. But uh, since then, they've released more info. Um, this might allow for multiple experiences based on the path we take and uh, show some creative thinking innovation, innovation, which is sorely needed. New mechanics keep the game interesting and exciting. Uh, as long as they're not too grindy, you heard me say it. So they mentioned that you can do all four allegiance factions with one character, but each successive one will be harder. And I'm going to make my pitch right now. I pray that harder means more difficult content versus a longer grind. So, for example, if they decided to implement it by saying every time you do something for the dwarves, you get negative faction for the elves, hobbits, and men... Like we do with the in-league and ale association, you know, you know, you know how hard that was to achieve kindred with both of those when there's only two factions. What if you have to do it with four, and every time you do uh, a quest for one faction, you lose faction with the other three? That would be a nightmare. Please do not implement this. <laughs> Please make it the same content you did before, but at a higher difficulty level for your character. So maybe you need some character advancement to get through it. Right, but not not a longer grind. Not having to do the same quest 52 times, you know, five times for the first faction, ten times for the second, a hundred times for the third, and a thousand times for the fourth. That will not be fun. I know people are going to want to do all four on the same character. <coughs> Comments also indicated there was plenty of the rest of Mortar to potentially last us into 2018, but beyond that, they did seem to imply that southeast southeastern kingdoms might be the next step. 
i.e. Khan or Harad, rather than Northern Mirkwood Run, the Iron Hills, Umbar, or some of the other speculations that have been out there for some time. My money is still on the Mumukul pits of the Haradrim. Uh, perhaps the one question I wanted them to ask, what you did not see, was whether the move to SSG might, I say might, make it more plausible that they could migrate to a newer engine somewhere down the road so that we do not lose all the wonderful landscapes they've created to date to flesh out Middle-earth in order to start from scratch. <coughs> Rumbles have come out that they may take a look at making the engine 64-bit compatible. What kind of impact might this have? Stay tuned. I'm excited if that is the case. What's been going on in the forums? Well, most of them have been drooling over movable housing hooks. I must admit, I've already seen some really cool screenshots so far with some of the things that people can do with the movable housing hooks. It really makes it an artist's palette rather than a rigid framework. And uh, I was slightly inspired to go in. I haven't really messed with them yet myself. Um, I've been too busy doing other things. I will at some point get to movable housing hooks. I haven't even bought a house in the Bay of Belfast. I'm still trying to decide whether I really want that to spend the mithril coins, which I haven't I haven't saved up my t my Lotro points for. I basically spend them as I get them, so I don't have a big backlog. But, uh, you know, I might see, wait till they make the expansion announcement, see what comes with it. Maybe use uh, that to buy, scoop up a house at that point. We shall see. Um... Who would have thunk the impact that the movable housing hooks would have? I mean, there are some people so excited about this. A lot of people have come back to the game just because they put in movable housing hooks. Probably wasn't as hard as they they made it out to be originally when they were trying to deter us from saying they weren't going to revamp housing. But this is the biggest thing we wanted out of a housing revamp: More hooks and movable hooks. And now we got them both. Way to go. Big win, SSG. Uh, so what's in this week's action-packed episode? We are going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game as always. We're going to talk about my latest podcast obsession in Foon. We're going to catch up on stuff from the latest release, 19.3 and producer's letter. And lastly, if we have any time remaining, we will powder out our runtime with useless but amorous filling material. So let's move on to our third beacon. Nardal, This Week in Gaming and or other Tolkien news. Uh, first of all, going to talk about Pokemon Go and then I'm probably going to let it go. I made level 23. Each level brings new Pokemon that come up to try to keep the game more exciting for you. But really, I have only one goal left in Pokemon Go. It's to evolve a Magikarp. <laughs> Those of you who have the game know the Magikarp requires the most amount of candy of any Pokemon in the game to evolve. 400, whereas most other breeds take 50 or perhaps 100 candies at most. Uh, if you live near the water, I'm sure Magikarp are plentiful, but I don't have any Pokestops anywhere near water typically, except for one that I pass maybe every other day. So my Magikarp, I have made my companion, so he would generate candies as I walked, and he has slowly been making his way to 400. By the time this next podcast comes out, I do expect I will have evolved my Magikarp and we'll see if that uh, is enough to make me hang up the Pokemon Go craze. My my my, uh, my baby hobbits, uh, my baby dwarves in the house are already telling me that uh, this craze has passed. None of their friends play anymore. <laughs> it's it's uh, you know just their dad plays now, so it's kind of embarrassing, of course. 
Uh, always behind the curve. Let me see. DDO, I logged in and spent an ability point, then logged out. Secret World, nope. Although I saw they had some Valentine's Day comment, the con- content that came out recently. That's, I think they're one of the few games that does Valentine's, strict Valentine's Day content. Maybe maybe I heard uh, STO did some for a while as well. <clears throat> Marvel Heroes, I heard they d- did quite the overhaul recently in gameplay. Added a whole bunch of new features. Uh, a lot going on in that game. I'm not logged in to try it. I actually would like to log in and see some of the changes at some point. Uh, I still feel it's a game that's fun. It's just one that doesn't hook me when I play. It's it's fun, but I you know I don't know. Maybe it's uh, uh I probably don't understand all the different types of content I could be trying with my characters at this point. I think all I have is a a vision who didn't even make level thirty yet. You know, a bunch of characters between five and ten maybe. Clash of Clans. Okay, so I know you guys are probably sick of... Some of you are probably sick of hearing me talk about this, but I know some of you play it. So I will just say Clash of Clans is a really smartly uh, um, engineered and innovative game that keep coming out with content updates that keep it interesting. Every time I think, yeah, I'm not... I'm kind of tired of it, might not play for a while. They introduce something new, which I think is exciting. The latest is this new events functionality that really shakes things up. About every second or third day an event takes place that might last, you know, a day or 24 hours or two days. And uh, they make a specific type of troop in your army um, or spell like 10 times cheaper than it would normally be to generate. And so it causes you, they have functionality, it was a pain in the neck to build an army every time you wanted to do an attack. So they made a quick, quick build for your army. Right, but it kind of lends itself to using the same army type all the time, and that gets boring. This new events functionality encourages you to do all different kinds of combinations with your troops because it makes certain ones cheaper to use at certain times, and that's great. Um, so I think it's been a re- huge success. Um, I finally took the plunge in Clash of Clans and uh, made the move to upgrade my Town Hall to Town Hall 10. I was holding back, trying to make everything about as advanced as it could be before I took the plunge. And besides a couple air defenses, I am there. So I've got the Town Hall 10 upgrade, which is takes 10 days, <laughs> so it's still in process. But we'll be in place next time I talk to you, I'm sure. Uh, upgrade to level 6 balloons, finally, to get the skull and crossbone pictures on the sides of the balloons. That's all I want, really. And uh, upgrading my clan castle too, which was a five million gold upgrade uh, to get to that to the next level. So some big upgrades happening in Clash of Clans, and excited about it. I'm sure I'll be playing it for some time yet. Uh, no Star Trek Online, Shadow of Mortar. I did go back and complete a few quests in that game and play a bit more. And I think I think I am gonna get hooked on it soon. Like I, I've been playing a little bit, stopping a little bit, stopping. Last time I played, I felt a little bit more tug as I got more into the game. To, I could see switching over at some point and just like playing it exclusively for a couple weeks to get it done. Um, so I'm changing my tack a bit in that game. I was trying to go after some of the orc chiefs when it was hard to realize how tough they were. You know, often you'll try to corner a guy, but then he'll have like 20 orcs that come with him, and you're fighting 21 guys all of a sudden. You could beat him, but not the whole group at the same time. So what I'm trying to do right now is pick up all the lore and relics and runes in my general area to gain power before going hardcore after the high-level lieutenants. And it seems to be working thus far. Um, You can collect that stuff and grow your strength without having to take on the main storyline and then do it when you're ready. 
So I'm sure I'm just scratching the surface of all the areas I can explore in that game still. Um, and hoping to play the crap out of it soon. But doing well for now. I have been playing Overwatch. It's still fun. Uh, still learning some of the other characters that I haven't even played yet. I probably return. You know, there's like 25 different characters to choose from. And each one takes a little bit of focus to master. And since I'm not very good, I, I try to do the same ones I know. So I can get better at those before I try on some of the other ones. But uh, yes, still fun. Still playing it periodically. Been high on hiatus with Bioshock, which is the other console game I've been playing. And the interesting thing is that uh, one of the baby dwarves in the house for his birthday picked up the complete set of six King's Quest games on the PS4. Uh, he got the whole pack for, I think, at Target for $40. $40. So uh, not bad to get six games in one, um, all on one disc and all on the latest console. And he's been playing, in it, and it's great for his age level. Um, so it's, you know, it's a little less serious, a little more... Um, you know, humorous, uh, and the artwork I think is fun. Uh, the game, the game style is different. It's got mostly puzzles um, that you, uh, you know, exploration and puzzles basically based game, and it's not hard on you if you screw up or lose. You only go back a little bit and you get to retry the part that you messed up right right away again. And I'm almost 100% positive that the narrator for the game is actually uh, Christopher Lloyd. Uh, you know, Doc from uh, from the Back to the Future trilogy of fame. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Some pretty good voice acting and fun for his age. Although he is asking me when he can start Skyrim, which is a little bit different. <laughs> okay, uh, so what's been going? Also been going on in Lotro. Well, uh, since I've talked to you, the Yule Festival has come and gone, and might be coming again. I think for another week or two, like over the next two weeks. I thought I'd heard that. Anyway. All my tunes are now at More the Merrier Tier 2, which uh, is 50 out of the 100 quests you need for the portrait frame and to barter for the Warsteed Cosmetics. Uh, Bragg, of course, has uh, completed those 100 quests a year or two back. Most of the tunes I had completed at least uh, two sets of the 10 quests for Athelian Essence Frags uh, just by logging in and getting the daily present by doing one quest. Uh, of course, my quest of choice is either refilling the ale keg or going out to yell at the uh, the, the three Yeti, uh, depending on whether I have a tune with a run buff, in which case I do the ale keg, or none, in which case I jump on a horse and go do the Yeti. So everyone got the new steed, which was awesome, so I felt like I should have that on every character. And uh, for the folks that had leftover coins, um, I bought uh, a few Starlit Crystals and pets to get rid of some of them, saved a couple for next year, rainy day, just in case. And I thought the Yule Festival was coming back for one more week at the end of January, so maybe I missed that again already. But um, Or maybe it's the end of February. Either way, check a more reliable news source, viewers, if you want that detail. So Bragg, what has Bragg been doing? He has pushed his way through the 50K morale ceiling and now is in the low 50s, uh, which I you know, feel was what people were telling me was a good benchmark to go out and tank two-tier challenge content. So since then, I have done the uh, uh, Silent Street Tier 2 Challenge several times on Bragg. And the tank job, I got to say, is pretty easy, at least with the strap my kin uses typically. Uh, when you get to the final boss fight, <laughs> you lug him into the corner, you keep him there, you interrupt him when he starts to induct, and uh, you just keep his attention. 
And uh, it's really, you know, maybe once or twice during the fight, if he drops a couple puddles, you might have to hit some cools, cooldowns, uh, you know, if, you're, if your mini's away helping other folks. But the tank job in, in Silent Street Tier 2 Challenge is pretty easy. Actually, the hardest part I find in that, in that game is uh, uh, winning your way through the ghosts in the early part, um, you know, trying to do the minimum amount of fighting that you have to to get to the two side bosses in that area and figuring out which groups you need to aggro and which you don't. Uh, that probably is the most, you know, depending on the group you run with, they do it differently. So I always try to listen to what other folks do. What else has Bragg been doing? Well, uh, I went back as a benchmark when I reached the 50K ceiling, and I did something I've tried before but never successfully. I haven't done this in a while, uh, but the last time I tried to solo the Vile Maw in Moria and beat the Watcher by myself, I couldn't keep up with the corruptions, and I was overwhelmed eventually. But it's been a long time since I tried it, so I went back and I gave it another shot. And guess what? I can now solo the Vile Maw on my guard. Um, there's a little bit of concentration that needs to take place, you know, switching tentacles in the final fight and DPSing the head. And yes, keeping uh, corruption removals up helps, but in the end, it was pretty easy. And I, I don't even think I was below 40k when when uh, when he went down. So now I can sell all the vile maw at need if I want to look after cosmetics there. As a matter of fact, I won the black pearl. <laughs> uh, was one of the treasures I picked up from soloing the vile maw. So. Uh, so that's neat and an easy way to generate um, the uh, coins of Nimrodel if you want to get some level 60 first agers for your alts. What else? Oh, here's the other one. So um, I said, hey, if I can solo the Vile Maw, why don't I give another raid a try? What's the next raid that comes after? Well, I've already done Darnabagood before on Bragg. Uh, and I can solo it except for the final boss where uh, they have ads that come out that uh, immobilize you. Um, and you need help from someone else to break your uh, break the hypnotism that's on you uh, or you die. So that, that uh, instance outside of that is not soloable. Uh, but you can do the rest of it with, with Bragg and I have done that. Uh, I know some people go back and farm it looking for the heads. You need three different heads, I think, to get the housing trophy from Darnabagood with the three heads on it. And uh, they don't always drop, and it's hard to get them. So, uh, But uh, the one raid that I have not tried that's above those two in next in line was uh, Dol Guldur in Mirkwood. So I went back and tried to solo Dol Guldur the other day. It's a 12-man it's a, uh, raid um, for level 65 at the end of Mirkwood. And uh, it is, uh, you know, it's it's a raid that isn't run that much uh, on level. I think because it's pretty darn hard and it's long. It's a really long instance. And if you're trying to solo it, it's extra long. So I probably spent an hour or two uh, winding my way up through the tower. Uh, you know, for the most part, it wasn't hard. There were one or two areas I actually uh, did die if I pulled like two or three groups instead of one or two at a time. So you got to kind of methodically, you know, I didn't think you could get past Dirt Chest. I actually thought there were mechanics that would not enable you to uh, to solo that instance uh, getting past the Dirt Chest fight. But as it turns out, you can. And uh, so, you know, he uh, he wasn't even that bad. I think he, yeah, I had to scramble. So, you know, soloing it was a good challenge on a guard. Um, there were a couple fights, a couple points where, it, you know, things were a little dicey. I had to pull out some tricks and some cooldowns and 
all my food and extra pots and stuff to get through it. Uh, you know, the boss fights, the boss fight with the Korgraf and Mordor, the two sorcerers. And then, of course, the lieutenant on the uh, on the platform at the top of the castle. And uh, the first time I tried the fight, uh, I was trying to preserve the tier two challenge, which is to keep the fell beast alive until um, until the lieutenant is dead. And he killed me. And I was like, dang, I've soloed the whole thing, and now I don't know if I'm gonna be able to solo the rest of it. You know, I'm gonna have to call in help from my kin or someplace else. Let me give it another try. Yeah, this time I'll kill the fell beast first. Right, and maybe that'll make it easier. I don't, I don't need to get the challenge. So I went up and uh, I did that, and it was working, and everything was on a good path. And then all of a sudden, all my equipment started to break because I've been pounded on for two or three hours through a through a twelve man raid, and uh, my shield broke, and my then my axe broke, and I couldn't use any of my skills on my bar. So I switched to my two hander, but it was like too late. Uh, you know, half my stuff was broken, and the guy crushed me. So I was like, Ugh, it takes forever to run back through the entrance all the way up to the top. But let me do this one more time. And third time was the charm. Killed the fell beast, killed the lieutenant, got the tattered robes drop. Uh, unfortunately, not the black robes drop, which drops the unwelcome mat, uh, which would be a great housing item to have. But um, the tattered robes where you're able to take the quest back to Celeborn in Lothlorien to kind of finish out the storyline of Mirkwood, which is which was nice. Uh, it was fun to do that. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll do it again. It takes a long time, but maybe with one or two other people, it'd be quick to run up and see if you could get the uh, see if you could get the housing trophy on the final now that I know that I can do it. So uh, if you have a heavy class, I still think you know, you'd have to be pretty darn good as a soft class to solo that instance. Uh, but if you have a heavy class, you might want to give it a try. It was a fun challenge. Uh, what else has been going on? Battle of Lorne I've been chipping away at a few at a time. Uh, I've now got 7 out of 10 to get the final. Oh, 8 out of 10 to get the uh, to get the final title I need for the last uh, deed that I have opened in Lorien. And I can't figure it out. You can solo it as long as you go back and... Defeat the uh, you know, the the attacks against the different gates uh, when they pop up. Yes, you can solo it. It's not that bad. Just takes a little bit of time. Um, Bragg's been doing the herbal dailies. So one thing you might be interested in knowing if you didn't if you haven't been into this so far is when I took Bragg through North Athelion, he did everything. We did all the quests, we did all the deeds, and then when the Herbal Dailies started, they were all opened up to me. When I started it with a second tune, I realized that there are quests that you need to finish in North Athelion to open up those Herbal Dailies. Um, you have to finish all 12 quests for the deed in Usgiliath and the Crossroads, including the Morgul Vale instance at the end, to open up the Noisum Blossom quest that you get from Mithrandir at the Cap of the Host. That's an herbal daily. You have to explore all three caves for Mablung from Henneth Anon to open the Troll quest and, uh, and the Torngroth repeatable. So those are two of the um, two of the herbal daily quests that come from Mablung and Henneth Anon. And you have to finish a lot of the quests in Henneth Anon to talk to Mablung to get those. And then you need to do all the quests around the fields of Cormallon for the ranger named Eblun, who's to the south of Henethalen, to open up the seeds pickup and planting the fertile soil and tree sapper quests, which are three more of the herbal dailies. 
There's even another one I think you have to do before you get the fire starter and bush putter, putter outer quests, which are the last two for herbal dailies. They probably come out of Aelin Varen, but I haven't verified that yet. Um, the reason I haven't cared that much is because those are the two herbal daily quests I normally skip <laughs> because they take longer and they're a bigger pain in the neck. So what's the cycle I use for herbal dailies? Uh, for those, you know, the first time I did it took a long time and then you can fall into rhythm pretty quickly. Why was I doing them? Uh, first of all, uh, I did want to generate some essences for uh, some of my tunes. Secondly, uh, I wanted the portrait frame that comes from North Athelion. So there's a bunch of portrait frames in the game. There's the anniversary portrait frames, one for every year you've been in the game. Uh, there is the VIP portrait frame, and there is the Christmas portrait frame. And those were the only ones that you could use in the past until now. Now we have the North Athelion portrait frame, which is a bunch of flowers like garland kind of around your portrait frame. And uh, I have to admit, it's pretty neat. Um, so I'd like to get that on a few of my tunes. Uh, the first one I did was for Bragg. You need to finish 100 Herbal Daily quests. And you can do between, if you open them all up, you can do between 6 and 8 a day. Which means you can get them all in about uh, somewhere, like let's say about 2 weeks span if you do them every day. Um, you need 250. 50 herbal quests to get the North Athelian steed, which I am not in the least bit interested in. <laughs> Can't picture doing 250 herbal quests on one tune, and I heard the horse is ugly, or muff ugly anyway. So uh, I'm going to be skipping that one. So what's the cycle? Uh, if you start, a, at, at, you start out at Hennethanen, uh, grab all the the five quests that are there, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, five or six that are there in the cave from the three rangers. Uh, then you go out right on top of Hennethane itself. If you ride to the edge of the cliff face, there's two, two patches of fertile soil um, back by where the uh, reflecting pool is. Then you cross the river, and there's another three on the other side, just up and down the river path. Um, so once you find them the first time, it'll be easy. Uh, then you run north to the troll, you grab the three patches of moss there, and go straight back to the stable. You take the stable north to the camp of the host. Uh, you go to Mithrandir, and you pick up the uh, Noisome Blossom quests for the Morgul Vale. Uh, mount a horse, run around um, to the southwest of the camp to find the cave entrance to Torngroth. Uh, you go into Torngroth, you pick up 12 cases of supplies, kill uh, 8 cases of supplies, kill like 12 orcs. Usually you get the, the mortar daily for killing 20 uh, humanoids at the same time. And uh, then you... I lost my berry. Dude, don't lose your berry. Well, I'll get him back in a break. Um, so then you finish Torngroth. You jump on your horse. You go south of there. Uh, when you get to the edge of the ruins that you'll hit, there's another three patches of fertile soil there and another two across the other side of the river, which makes 10 total. Uh, you then uh, take your horse down to the f upwards to the northeast for the second troll. Get the three patches of moss over him. Go southeast to the southwest to the fields of Cormallon where you do the tree sappers and seeds pickup quests. And then you can ride um, further south to get the, the last troll. Uh, now, if you want to do killing the fire starters quests and the burning bushes, they're near that troll, basically. You can spread out and finish those. Uh, the fire starters have like 125k morale. So even if you're a heavy DPS class, it takes a while to burn them down and the, you have to do like 8 or 10 of them. I didn't find it worth it. And then finding the burning bushes is kind of a pain. They're spread out all over the place. They're not always in the same location. 
I found it unintuitive to get it. So I finished it once or twice but uh, just to do it, but then I didn't do it in my cycle going forward. So after I get the last troll there, I port over to us Gilead and run straight north through the crossroads to the Morgul Vale to get the six noise and blossoms. Then back to the stable at Esgiliath to, uh, to port to Hanath Anan and turn in the quests there and in the camp of the host. And there you are. I think that's either you know, six, seven, eight herbal daily quests per day. And here's another hint for the, you guys that are doing that. Um, the herbalists have some nice loot. One of the nicest pieces of loot they have is a gold bracelet. Uh, for each of the three you know, might, will, or agility classes with three essence slots on it, one of the best you can get in game. Um, depending on what class you are, you will need either amber, amber uh, you will need some amber, es amber, bleh. you will need some amber flowers, essences, some sapphire flower essences, and a few hundred of a particular mundane essence type to trade. And my experience is the ambers and the, the, ambers and the sapphires drop a good deal, especially out of the forger's baskets you get from the herbal dailies. Um, but the mundane ones take a while to generate. So for Bragg, I needed 500 of the Vetchling, which is the, uh, I'm sorry, the Crimson uh, Flower Essences to get the bracelet. So the best thing to do is take a look at which one you need for your class, Will, Agility, or Might. And always stop to pick the flowers that you need for that class. So, example, might needs crimson uh, essences, which is the vetchlings. Will, uh, which I need for my min my minstrel, uh, drops. Um, you have to pick up the umber essences, which drop from horsetails. So, if you look out on the Lotro wiki, it'll tell you which uh, which type of flower essence drops most commonly from which types of uh, flowers. And uh, figure out which bracelet you want and pick up the corresponding flowers when you're out collecting so that you'll have them at the end of the day. Uh, that is my super tip for you guys. So why else would you want to do herbal dailies besides getting the flower portrait? Well, you do generate a forager's basket for every one that you do, which drops like five or six different flower essences. So you can generate the flower essences pretty quickly to trade with the herbalist barters. And they also, if you finish at least four per day, you get uh, an Athelian Essence Fragment um, or two, depending on which uh, drops for you when you open your bag of Athelian Fragments. And with those, you can trade for um, additional, straight up for additional North Athelian Essences, which is how I started to generate a backlog for the first time since Essences have come out of actually usable stuff. All right, so that's the Herbal Dailies. What else would I do with my tunes? Cappy. Um, starting to get him back on the trail in North Athelion to finish off some stuff I haven't done there much. My lore master's been doing some essence polishing and some featured instance runs. Same with my Berg. Hunter, I've been doing a little deed grinding. So now I have my Hunter at all 19s with his virtues, finally. And uh, now have him at 81 class trade points. So I finished off both the quest uh the questing in Anorian Deed and the Slayer in Anorian Deed, uh, which got me the last class trade points I needed for the Hunter outside of 200 promotion points for big battles. So all my tunes that are level cap now either have 82 or 81 class trade points, and the only class trade points that some of the higher level tunes are missing are the 200 promotion points from big battles, which I may or may not do ever. <laughs> um, 
So the next project will be my Bjorning, who does also have 81 class trait points, but is still on level 14 or 15 for his virtues. So he's he's my last deed grinder that's currently at level cap. And uh, I ran some Pelerger runs with him this last week. And one of the things I'll actually say, when he was running an epic battle recently, and uh, I'd say grouping in redline for the Bjorning is, I found to be a little bit boring. I might want to try to do it in uh, one of his other lines, yellow or blue, going forward. Uh, but for an epic battle where it really doesn't matter that much, um, you know, because what you're doing is more about the big battle than about your DPS for the most part, uh, grouping in red line was a little bit boring on the Bjorning. So maybe I'm getting tired of that class. It is kind of two-dimensional. I'm a bear, I'm a man. I'm a bear, I'm a man. I'm overpowered. But I'm a bear and I'm a man. My champ, level 56, is hanging in Moria and took a few epic quest line steps. My RK is up to level 53, also in Moria, and is clearing the red horn. He has cleared the, uh, what? not the red horn loads, the um, silver, silver teen loads, and is ready to move on to the waterworks. Uh, my warden is level 35 and is moving on to even dim. That's what's been going on with my tunes in Lotro, which is quite enough for now. Let's move on to our next beacon. All right, we got technical difficulties here. That's what happens when you share a Spotify account with another baby dwarf in the house and you're fighting over it so you can listen to Barry White as you broadcast your Light the Beacons podcast. Is that so much to ask? <sighs> All right. Errolas. So I want to talk about my latest podcasting obsession and share it with the community because I think there are a lot of people out there. Uh, if you play Lotro and if you're a fantasy geek and nerd and like good comedy uh, and improv, I think you will enjoy this. Some of you people may have heard of it. It's been out for a while. I think it's been on the air for about two years now. Uh, I just recently came to the party in the last couple months. I was listening to a podcast called Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is broadcast by uh, someone. And uh, one of the things, one of the things that the people were touting is what they was making them happy this week was this podcast, uh, and it was recently featured, I think, in the last year in a list of you know fairly well respected uh, news outlet that had listed as one of the top. 20 podcasts, you know, up and coming podcasts for the year. And it is called Live from the Magic Tavern. You can find it out on iTunes, uh, probably Android and several other places. Uh, they have uh, social media presence, which has grown over time as the fandom has grown. So it started out with three improv actors from Chicago who uh, were working together on local improv circuits and uh, got into... Um, decided to try a new podcast where they would pretend, here's the setup, uh, that the, um, the lead podcaster, Arnie Niekamp, is, uh, is uh, from our world, and he f goes to a Burger King for lunch one day and falls through a dimensional portal into a magical land called Foon. And uh, he finds a, the nearby town of Hogsface and inside a tavern called the Vermilion Minotaur where he uh, meets two companions, one a shapeshifter who's off in the shape of a badger named Chunt, and uh, Usador, the blue wizard. And each week uh, he broadcasts live from uh, the Vermilion Minotaur where he's stuck trying to get back home, um, but he can still upload a Wi-Fi through the rift, <laughs> through a Wi-Fi signal. He can upload a podcast through the rift back to home. 
So he's stuck in this magical land of Foon. And each week from the Vermilion Minotaur, he and his two co-hosts talk about the land of Foon. They have guests on that talk about all the magical things going on in Foon. They compare them, you know, to what's going on in Arnie's world and his experiences. And, uh, you know, comedy ensues. Uh, one of my favorite uh, shticks that happens is that in the opening, uh, he always introduces his two companions. And Usador has uh, basically, a, uh, when he does his own introduction, he does it very dramatically and with uh, a long, varied list of names, which he always insists on repeating fully every podcast. He says, I am Usador, wizard of the twelfth realm of Ephesius, master of light and shadow, manipulator of magical delights, devourer of chaos, champion of the great halls of Taragus. The elves know me as Fiang Yelok. The dwarves know me as Zunin Estanges. I am known in the northeast as Gismuinius Maestar. And there be, uh, may be other names, other secret names of which you do not know. And if you did, the power would tear you limb from limb. And the other guy says, and I'm Chun. And that's all he ever says. Chunts up with that, as they say in uh, in Life for the Magic Tavern. So uh, the interplay comes uh, between the three leads, uh, the the narrator and the two guests. Uh, they have uh, as they interview their guests week to week. They they discuss uh, it's improv. So basically, anything that anybody says becomes canon immediately. And there's a long history of lore that's been built up over 90 episodes now where they all have to remember the stuff they've talked about before so they don't go back and, uh, you know, unwrite their lore. So uh, in, in every episode, some sort of improv comes about where somebody makes a statement that, uh, you know, sticks with the program and, and going forward becomes like very entangled and complex to try to keep it all straight, uh, much to the delight of the listeners. So. This is a hilarious podcast, some really good laugh-out-loud moments, and uh, I've been binge-listening through the episodes. I think I'm on something like 40 at this point out of 90. Uh, they're usually pretty short, uh, in between 25 and 35 minutes, so pretty digestible and a good time. Give Live from the Magic Tavern a try if you're looking for something a little different in your podcasting rotation. Uh, perhaps the coolest thing that happened was when I mentioned in my Twitter feed a couple weeks ago uh, that I was excited about uh, starting listening to Live from the Magic Tavern, and it was pretty quickly retreated and liked by Adel Rafai, one of the characters from the podcast who plays Chunt. So I'm not very Twitter uh, savvy, so I don't know if there's a bot that you can put in place and anyone that says you know, a certain phrase, it gets notified to you, so you're aware of it, and maybe an automated retweet comes back out, or a response from you, anyone that mentions it. Uh, otherwise, I think it would be extreme coincidence that the actual guy that uh, plays this character would have seen my tweet somehow. Um, so, if that's the case, it was really cool. So thanks, Chunt, for the shout-out. I appreciate it. And with that, let's move on to the fifth beacon of Minrimon. The fifth beacon, Minrimon. And now the original word from our sponsor segment. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I'm off questing or raiding, my morale is lifted knowing that I have a trusted and certified child care provider at home watching my little fellowship. However, I've not really been able to find any to date in Middle Earth, so instead, I drop my kids off at Nars Peekaboo Daycare Center. Located inconveniently at the top of a long, dangerous, zigzagging mountain pass, Masters of Stairs all know this hidden kitty care gem with thrilling and guardrail-less views of Thror's Coombe. 
Your treasured progeny will have the option of many educational and enriching programs and activities at NARS Peekaboo Daycare Center, including daily outdoor playtime in the Serpent Halls, including playing Ring Around the Gwyber, a devotee ad favorite, unlimited access to our fabulous library of moldy and decaying books, private nap time in our bottomless mining caverns, and all under the attentive and watchful eye of our headmaster, NAR. Here at NAR's Peekaboo Daycare Center, we realize you don't really have a choice of daycare providers, so you might as well give us a shot. Tell them Sarah Man sent you. Thanks, NAR. That brings us to the sixth beacon of Callanhad. Some of you may have noticed, and has been touted ad nauseum, there was a producer's letter that came out recently. So here, I'll read some of the some of the key features from the producer's letter. I'll do so without comment. This is all straight from the letter. No ad-libbing, nothing added. Hello, it's been a few weeks since we announced ourselves as Standing Stone Games, and we're as uh, surprised as you that we're still in business. Now, I mean, we're as excited to share our plans for the year ahead with you. Uh, we finally stopped panicking and running around in circles, throwing papers in the air for long enough to doodle a few random pie-in-the-sky bullets. Firstly, we want to thank everyone for their continued support as we write some of Lotro's most exciting history and some of our own most personal risk. This is the year that Lotro ventures forth into Mordor. We currently expect to release the Mordor expansion in the summer, and we'll have a lot more information as we get closer to the day of its arrival, if we're still in business. Since we had no idea when the expansion would be ready, we figured we would just say summer. It's as good a date to pick as any, and hopefully we will have set up our new Outlook server by then. Uh, prior to Mortar, we have two big things happening in Middle-Earth, Update 20 and our 10th anniversary. We can't wait to celebrate a decade of Lord of the Rings Online with you, our loyal viewers. I mean, did you think we would make it? We sure didn't. Uh, we'll be bringing out a new event that will serve as a fun centerpiece to complement the festival, along with our other usual fanfare. It's called PVMP, and a whole new geographic zone called quote-unquote, the Moors. And I'm using air quotes for all you viewers out there. Uh, we are planning a lengthy celebration live stream on Twitch and YouTube to celebrate a deck of the Lotro. We'll see you in live stream chat and in-game, but not if we see you first. Update 20 will feature the region called The Wastes, formerly known as Infinite Crisis, uh, where players will adventure through the bleak no-man lands, dismal Daggerlad, and up the very slag hills of Mordor. We also take players to the Battle at the Black Gate. Lord Aragorn's last desperate gamble to divert the enemy from the real threat. Free-to-play players that won't spend any money in the cash shop. Uh, delve beneath the earth through winding maggot holes in the Towers of the Teeth and two capstone resource dungeons that can be played in solo and fellowship mode. Because who doesn't want to explore giant maggot holes with all their friends? Finally, Update 20 will offer you a chance to grind with the various companies within the Host of the West prepare for their final confrontation with the Dark Lord. In addition, the update will feature a new featured instance rotation, among other things. Other things being the uh, operative word. With update 21, we shatter the Black Gates and march into Mordor for our first expansion in nearly four years. In it, we will cover the fate of the One Ring. Big deal. And then embark on new epic tales that are be even more exciting than what Tolkien would have ever written, obviously. Foring in into multiple regions of Mordor after the fall, yada, yada, yada. Uh, there we'll encounter strange new monsters, woo, new mechanics, yeehaw, and new treasures to be won. We will be begin whole new storylines that look deep into Mordor and hint at things yet to come. 
We are making plans to debut a new playable race, the High Elf, whose primary racial skill will be a significant buff for farming pipeweed. Think about it. Think about it. Got it. Along with aesthetic improvements to all playable races across the board. Exciting for you viewers out there. You know you're not viewers. We will also plan to add large group challenge content in the ensuing update, just to make sure we have some promises included that we just can't keep. Update 22 will round out the year and is far enough away that we'd like to keep its content under wraps for now, since we have no idea what they are. And let's just say that we have a year's worth of plans for Lord of the Rings, stories to tell, lands to explore, and heroic deeds to be done. And our marketing people have told us no one will keep subscribing if we tell them that we'll be looking to wrap things up directly after Mordor. It remains an honor to be your executive producer, at least for one more week. And we thank you again for your support. Sincerely, Serlin. Okay, on a more serious note, Mordor's been discussed ad nauseum. Uh, but one, one thing I've been thinking about a little bit is the Battle of the Black Gate and the possible mechanic options there. Now, SSG, formerly Turbine, has always said that they want to use the best, the best tools, whatever it takes, to tell the story the best. And in Helm's Deep and the Pelennor Fields, or in the defense of Minas Tirith, those tools were epic battles. Uh, yeah. Discuss. <laughs> okay, so, um, but what what will the mechanic options of the Battle of the Black Gate look like? Something like the Pelennor Field, where they tell it through uh, epic questline instances uh, with mini-quests, you know, kind of ensconced in different areas and stages of the battle. A uh, big battle, like we had in Pelor Gear, Helm's Deep, and elsewhere. A skirmish, an instance. What is the best way to do it? And it occurred to me under the circumstances, based on the story, they could use a mechanic long neglected to uh, drive the Battle of the Black Gate. And that would be the survival skirmish. The survival skirmish has languished since Survival in the Barrow Downs came out many years ago. It's a, it was a fun skirmish to have at uh, some of the local events where they could have different teams of people competing against each other to see who could last longest. And every once in a while I jump back in there as a solo to test the survivability of my tunes. Uh, but if they did a few key changes that might allow you to win a survival skirmish, um, it's the right mechanic for what happens at the Black Gate, if you think about it. There's a ring of people on a hill, waves of attackers come at them out of the gate, and you need to survive. All you need to do is survive long enough for the ring to be destroyed. Okay, so there's an objective. Instead of saying you could go forever until you die, you could say you need to go this long um, in order to survive until the ring is destroyed. And then you have difficulty levels. Say on easy level, you only need to make it uh, 10 minutes. On medium difficulty or tier 2, you need to make it 10 minutes. Tier 2 challenge, you need to make it 30 minutes. Uh, at different group sizes, etc. All the great features that you have out of a survival skirmish. And uh, different difficulty levels for replay and group sizes for replayability. Uh, I think the mechanic fits the story with a little change. You get to survive. You just have to make it long enough. For that ring to burn up, baby. And I am in the burning deeps, so I know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Flaming deeps, burning deeps. Come on. Seriously. You people are going to pick on that? Come on. It's Valentine's Day, for Christ's sake. Uh, uh, for goodness sake, for you folks out there. Grima, edit. He can't edit it. He's at a Maryville feast. Hope, he's, hope he doesn't get eaten. That would be, you know, 
I, I hate the guy, but can't stand him, but kind of, you know, he grows on you like a fungus. All right. Uh, I'm actually excited about what's coming in the new year based on the producer's letter. And I think the pace of content they've been coming out with recently uh, has been really good. Keeping people busy and with features that everyone's been looking for for a long time that I've uh, gone through with longer lists in previous podcasts. So I won't digress and hash those through right now. Uh, with that, I think we'll have to move on. Barry, thank you for your thank you for your kind, heartfelt sympathy. But it's time to move on to Halifurian. That's right, it's time for Blessed Relief. That brings us to the end of the 61st episode of Light the Beacons. I felt like I had a lot to talk about since I hadn't been with you guys in a while. Apologies for that. But I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. So get those emails to me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. The second A stands for Al Sharpton. On Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. Kindly request iTunes reviews if perchance you're so inclined. I very much appreciate it. Let's get that high score moving. If your comments incite me to forgo my legendary dwarven apathy, I'll try to include them in the next podcast or respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before. Perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you enjoy your week in Middle-earth. The ever-expanding word of Middle-earth that is heading for the ultimate evil of Mordor. This is Bragg, Son of Balance, signing off. Baruch Kazad. And remember, the next time you get a producer's letter that really rehashes stuff you already know and combines it with ambiguous stuff you don't understand, you're probably addicted to a game called Lotro. So don't despair. Light the beacons. All right, Barry. Take us out. It is Valentine's Day after all. Grime, I hope you can hear this in the fang pit. I'll put on the external speakers. Really echoes in there. I hope you guys love in the new year. I hope you love the game of Lotro. I hope you love a dwarf. They have the biggest love of all. Along with the biggest appetite. For mead. Come on now. Let's go now. Bring it home. I can't get enough for more, ya baby. Oh yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Can't get enough for more, ya baby. This is Bragg signing out. Bragg has got a brag. Grime has got a grind. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs>